Well, to be quite honest, Anthony, if I knew the answer to that, I wouldn't be on your this podcast. Hello and welcome back to this Rose the Show episode. Every other Monday, we invite a business owner, coach, or professional onto the podcast to get a free podcast audit and roast, where we deep dive into their current marketing, highlight areas that are holding them back from faster growth and monetization, provide them and you actionable steps you can start applying today to experience faster podcast growth. So sit back, grab your popcorn and get ready as we roast this show. Hello, or welcome back to Why Your Podcast Isn't Growing. My name is Anthony Winery. I'm Ty Gosho. We have Rob Costa, the host of the Agency Accelerator podcast. Awesome. Well, look, Rob, today we're here to audit your show, slash Rose the show. We kind of have a little back and forth in terms of how we do these. But before we dive straight into that, I want to get a bit of context. How long have you been podcasting for? And I guess, why did you start the podcast in the first place? Yeah, I'll just hit 200 episodes actually a couple of weeks ago. I think we are just heading into year three for the podcast. Why did I start it? Because I like talking and I had read that I've been thinking about starting a podcast quite a long time, but I've read that the average number of episodes someone creates probably give up is seven. So I thought well, if I'm going to do this, I have to be committed to doing more than seven episodes. Launched it kind of some of the advice that someone smarter than me said, which is don't look at any analytics or stats just for a year, just keep creating content and that's what I did talking about topics and my my podcast is aimed at SME marketing agency owners so talking about topics that my audience is asking me all the time so topics that I know are relevant to um, my audience and I the format of my podcast is a weekly podcast and when I got a good guest it used to be one week me one week the guest but now I just wait till I got really good guests and so it's sort of maybe two weeks me one week a guest talking about everything to do with running and growing an agency i love that well uh congrats on the the 200 mark here you're right that is very far above average and i believe you're you'll get you've got an audience right or at least the base for an audience of course you're here to grow it but what how many downloads did you get last month yeah uh, not not as many as i would like i think so i got about three thousand downloads four thousand downloads last month i find it really difficult to get good analytics for podcasting because it obviously is disseminated across a number of platforms. It doesn't seem to be a good way of consolidating that into one. There may be years and I just don't know about it. The best way I can know my podcast is working is because people contact me because they listen to it. So I literally just had a strategy called like a prospect call before this podcast and the person found me because they've been listening to my podcast for a year. So I can never get is when people say I found you because of the podcast or I'm an avid listener of your podcast. But I found, obviously, why I'm on your show is I found it difficult to grow the audience. I found it really difficult getting people to leave reviews, although I asked them to do it and I even shot a video that I included in my show notes showing people how to create a review. And I know that that is super important for, you know, the algorithm and so on. So, yeah, so it has, although I've been running it for a long time, it hasn't grown to tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of downloads, which is frustrating, really. Hence me being here today. Awesome. That is a wonderful introduction. So just if I'm understanding correctly, you have the base of an audience. You have you do have people that find you through the podcast, which is a great start. But right, you want you want to scale that up now. You believe the podcast should be a lot further for maybe the time you've been putting in. And there's things you can tweak along the way. And and one of those problems that you believe to be spearheading the lack of growth 
is struggling to get people to actually take your call to actions. Is yeah, not so much to take the call to action because the call to action might be download something, and I can see that people are downloading. It's more the leaving a review. Yeah, just growing the podcast significantly, and of course, what comes with that is advertisers wanting to advertise and sponsorship and all the rest of it, which I don't get a lot of. I'm actually talking to somebody at the moment about running some ads, but that's never been my primary goal for the podcast. It's never been to monetize it and that'd be the only thing I do. However, it'd be nice if I earn a bit of money from that to help it run the thing. I think I do a reasonable amount of social media promotion every week to promote each episode, but I'm sure I could do that a lot better as well. It's a bit of an automated process with my VA team who were just, you know, doing the task. So it's, it's, I think a combination of things like the quality of the content, the format, the promotion, the show notes, the, you know, lack of reviews, it's probably all those things that contribute to not growing as fast as I would hope. Especially when I listen to some business podcasts and they get millions of downloads or hundreds of thousands of downloads and I'm going, yeah, I'm getting three, four, five thousand downloads a month. I hear you. And I guess you mentioned a few things there in terms of quality of content and how it's all put together. Could you expand a little bit in terms of what you think is currently holding you back from, let's say, not getting to 5,000, 10,000 downloads at the moment? Well, to be quite honest, to me, if I knew the answer to that, I wouldn't be what you're. This podcast might be doing the things that I need to do. I'm not entirely sure. I know that, I know that the content is good. I sometimes think the quality could be better or the way it's delivered could be better or the way it's promoted could be more enticing. I don't spend enough time doing that because I'm not entirely sure what to do to improve it. So I, I don't know is the honest answer. What I do know is that build it and they will, if they will come out as in that quote from Field of Dreams doesn't really work in podcasting or any other kind of marketing strategy. So I, you have to do more than just put content out there. I totally get that. I'm just not entirely sure on what is the primary cause of it growing very slowly over the last three years. Okay. Got it. Let's, uh, let's start with the quality because I think there's definitely a few things we can get into, but ultimately it all starts with the foundations, right? And if the product itself isn't optimized so that when people do find it, the, we're converting the highest percentage of new listeners to retaining, existing, lifelong, even to say listeners, that binge the show and expect it to come out every week and wait for that, then all else fails. So you think the quality might be an issue, or at least think it might be improved, even though the content is yeah. good. Um, I guess, what do you yeah. mean by that? Why, and what are some ways, maybe? Yeah, I think maybe sometimes I just shoot from the hip, so I know what the topic's going to be, and I just talk. And sometimes I create an outline, and sometimes I script it, and I'm never quite sure what the right approach is, because when I script a podcast, I don't think it sounds natural. I'm not good enough of a presenter or an actor to make it sound like I'm just talking off the hoof. So the way I come up with topics for the podcast is based on the conversation I'm having with my audience. So I believe the topics are relevant topics. Um, I just released an episode last week about simplicity in your, in your agency. And I just had someone on LinkedIn now reach out to me saying they really found it really helpful. So I get that sort of feedback. I think the topics are right, but whether I'm presenting it in the right way, structuring it in the right way, or whether it could have more depth, I don't know. Like my podcast episodes vary between sort of 12 minutes to 30 minutes or even a bit longer than that, but if I've got a guest, so that's just them. Again, I'm not entirely sure what the optimal thing is. And as I said, I found it 
this may be my naivety, but I found it difficult over the years to get really good analytics um, across, I guess, mainly Apple, but Spotify and Google and all the other platforms that it is um, released on. I don't think I'm looking at past data to help me inform future decisions, if you see what I mean. Yeah, yeah, 100%. And I guess from your end, so just to clarify for you in terms of the goal is, of course, to grow it. But I know, you, of course, you know, within the form, you mentioned that you also want, were looking to monetize and you looked at sponsors for that. You also have a like a consultancy or like a coaching program as well. Is that right for agency owners? Yeah, exactly. So I deliver most of my work through my coaching program. And obviously, I see the podcast as part of the sales funnel to get people into my world and booking a call or attending an event that would lead them to joining the program. And as I said earlier, I've had one sponsor over the last couple of years that sponsored me for sort of six months. It would be, I'm talking to somebody at the moment about that as well, but I've never really proactively gone out and looked for sponsors because, you know, when they say, well, how many downloads are you getting a month? And I'm saying it's 6,000 or 7,000 or 5,000, then that doesn't sound very impressive to actually make them want to pursue sponsorship. So I've never proactively gone out to find mm. sponsorship. It's just come to me, but it would be nice to, like you say, at least wipe its face in terms of the costs putting the podcast together that sponsorship would, would cover those costs. And of course, I know that the people who are very successful with their podcast make an awful lot of money off sponsorship, but that, like I said, that isn't my primary goal. Mm. I don't want to get to the point where I give up everything and I just had a podcast where I was making hundreds of thousands of pounds as much as that would be nice, but that isn't my goal. My goal mm. predominantly is to build my brand, to build my audience and to funnel people into my group coaching program. Perfect. Okay, that's good. The reason I mentioned that is because I think if you have a program in the back of your podcast in the back end, I would say just promote yourself, promote that, focus on that because people are connecting with you as the brand, building you as the personality that they resonate with and the lessons that you're teaching. I'm not too sure how much your program is. I'm sure it's in the thousands if I was to... Well, it's not. It's, it's, it, um, yeah, yeah it's not. It's actually pretty reasonable. It's 247000 a month for a commitment of at least six months. It's pretty reasonable. And I do promote the program. Well, that, like that's a good yeah, we're Yeah, exactly. And the price has been increasing over the last few From that, Rob, I guess, like, for context, so the average CPM, which means cost per milli, cost per thousand listener that you would get from a sponsor or, like, an ad is around $25. So let's say you were getting a thousand listeners per episode, not per month, per episode, you would be making $25, $50 if you're lucky for that episode. Now you're getting, what? you're getting 3,000 monthly downloads, which isn't listeners, but I say 3,000. That means on a good day, you'd be getting 200, maybe $300 per month of my, on a, again, that's if you were to double the average CPM, right? Which isn't really from your end, three years of hard work doing that versus if you have one episode, you know, that you're able to convert a few of your listeners into actual monthly paying clients or monthly paying members of your community. So definitely think the focus is there. So how do we get, the question then becomes, how do we, number one, grow the podcast currently? Well, two two things. Number one, how do we get more of the listeners listen to the podcast currently? Because you've got a good pool there to keep listening to each episode and actually nurture them in the right way to become clients at a faster rate. That's the first thing. And then the second piece is how do we then grow the show and get exposure to the podcast? 
when we listen to the show, Rob, I'll be honest with you, the first thing that pops into my mind is Rob sounds great. He's talking about very focused problems when it comes to operating the business or agency specifically, but the audio quality really didn't strike me as one that was high value. Content was good, but audio quality was honestly wasn't great, man. It was pretty, it was, it was, <laughs> if I had to give it a rating out of like 10, I'd probably say like a solid six. And if you, sorry to interrupt you, would you say that's for both the solo episodes and the guest episodes? Because I'm using the same mic that you guys are using, so something's clearly don't between me recording it and the upload. And I'm using a platform similar to this for my guest interviews where they are interviewing. It records locally at both ends, so the quality should be better. So that's interesting feedback. Clearly, I'm doing something wrong. Yeah, I'll be honest with you. So yeah, I think it definitely is the quality from your end. And I think it makes it worse when... The guest, I think that a recent episode with a guest, their audio quality seems to be better than yours. And I was like, okay, that must be something odd. So I'm not too sure what you're using to kind of edit, but that's the first thing. I honestly think you could like get from 3,000 to 4,000 downloads within the next two months just by just sorting out the audio quality straight off the bat. I would definitely double check which mic is being connected to, whether that's your headphones or whether that's your Mac or whatever laptop, your device you're no, using. Like um, and then I'll put it through a platform called Descript. Okay, so no, I'm using my Blue Yeti mic like you guys are using um, to record. It's not coming through the Mac or the headphones. It's it's definitely through that. But yeah, I, but I'm just recording it. Like when I record locally, I'm just recording it on GarageBand on my Mac. So maybe that's the issue. I wouldn't have thought it was, but clearly something so yeah so descript you said so descript but i think we might have i think we might have revealed that the culprit did you say you're using a yeah, blue is that the crappy microphone there <laughs> yes <laughs> i mean rob that's definitely not our mic. no I... <laughs> so uh, we're, we're we're not using okay. blue yet tell me what mic i should be using then so honestly we're not actually technical experts in terms of mic choice i can tell you what we use and what we recommend and we should definitely have like an affiliate link for this or something because I've been recommended it quite quite a lot recently, but I don't. So for anyone listening, if you feel like your audio quality needs a revamp, we're using the Shure SM7B that we can link it below, right? But again, it's not an affiliate link actually. We have to plug that through a auto. Sorry, we have to plug that through an interface. So basically, we connect the mic to an interface, which then connects to your Mac. And for the record, Rob GarageBand totally is fine. Any working recording software. That won't hinder the quality. It'll simply be like the inputs you give it. Um, so we use the Scarlett Focusrite as an interface. It's very simple to use. Very, very simple. And then plug that into the Mac. So again, that's the Shure SM7B. Okay. There you go. And I know I said we're not technical experts, and I feel like I'm really going on about this now. But the reason the Blue Yeti doesn't work so well, because I know maybe you bought it because it was like a podcasting mic, right? I'm... The reason that mic doesn't work so well is because it's a condenser mic which means that it is very very sensitive and it picks up sound from all around so unless you're recording in a closet it's going to be picking up sound from the road from someone that might be in like three rooms next door from all these kind of little things our mic for example or just other ones that would recommend they're dynamic so the way they pick up sound i'm not going to pretend i can explain it very well but it's a lot more directed and if someone is making noise outside right now from me recording it wouldn't pick it up at all and if someone was shuffling around on the sofa next to me, it wouldn't pick it up. 
Whereas if I was using the Blue Yeti, it definitely would, and it would actually hinder the quality quite Yeah, it's interesting because I bought a little. Um, let me know if that's too no, much tech. No, it's really, I bring it all down. I use a little um, phone surround round my mic to try and stop that. But yeah, I, listen, that's good feedback. I appreciate it. And I knew that, but do you know, it's like when you don't know what you're doing, then don't know what you need to improve and you can watch a thousand youtube videos and they all give you different advice and some of those youtube videos are going to tell you that the blue yeti, yeti mic is the best mic best cost effective mics by right <laughs> they do they do and there's so much of that and i think it's all blue yeti propaganda to be honest i've never heard the blue yeti actually sound that great in recording and it's because most people are not recording in studios they're recording at home um, another thing to add, Rob, is, is I actually noticed I was listening to the simplification episode you mentioned just earlier when I was uh, eating my lunch. And I think I didn't record the exact timestamp. It was around the five minute, five minute, 30 seconds mark. There was a big blip with the editing where you've said the same thing and then it cut and then you said the same thing again. So I, I think I don't know if that appears throughout episodes. Maybe I got lucky. In yeah, like that. Not, not. But things like that will definitely contribute to the overall listening experience. That's shocking. Right? I'm embarrassed that you said that because I, think I edit the I edit the episode as I go along. I give it to my VA team and they're supposed to listen to it and double check it before it gets uploaded. So clearly that process is failing. So yeah, I hope that doesn't happen very often. But again, appreciate the feedback. Yeah, absolutely. I was just going to say, like, I bet Blue Yeti has like the craziest affiliate <laughs> affiliate program, probably. Right. That's why I get recommended so much. But look, I guess in terms, hundred percent. I guess, Rob, in terms of where you are with the the two things I mentioned, which of course, make sure the editing's on point and make sure the audio quality is solid. To be honest with you, mate, I think the fact you've grown to three thousand monthly downloads, number one, with audio quality, is actually really good, and it's uh, it shows that the content itself, you in terms of what you're talking about, is great. The issue is when you don't have good audio quality, there's going to be far less people getting to the end to listen to your course to action, to actually leave you a review, to take the next step. You already have some people who are already getting through to the episode, but now imagine with the quality being crisp and solid, where programmed, the average person or agency owner or business owner, where programmed to listen to podcasts of high quality. So think about the number of people you've probably lost over the last six months alone, maybe in the last few months, who liked the titles, liked you, but just couldn't stick around because they're just programmed to listen to something that's high quality. I wouldn't sit through it personally. If I listen to it from your end, when it's a bad show, a good show, of bad quality, it dampens experience. So we want to get that yeah. titled up. I'm embarrassed to, embarrassed but grateful to hear that feedback because, you know, that stuff. Certainly the error that you just mentioned, Ty, shouldn't be happening or yeah, Ty mentioned it. Um, and I'm embarrassed about the quality. I should, I've known that, but I should have sorted it out. I just haven't really know what to do or perhaps I didn't want to spend the money. I don't know, but anyway, I'm going to go into Amazon after this and order a new, a new mic. Awesome. And then I guess in terms of the actual, the actual podcast itself. So right now, what is your current call to action? So I gave it a listen towards the end and it sounded like you had uh, like a few calls to action, but like for you, how, how are you thinking about your course to action? Uh, well, okay. So first of all, if there's something relevant to the topic, there's, that's going to be the call to action. For example, if I was talking about, um, niching your agency, which is a big topic and I've got various, um, like free 
guides on niching or a free webinar on niching. And I'm also going to promote that because that will get people into my sales funnel. Um, I would also probably promote I, every two weeks I run a, a free workshop. So I'm always promoting those workshops because they are a key part of my sales funnel. And most recently, um, I've been getting into the world of AI. So at the moment I've got like an AI chat bot connected to the podcast. So if you want to go and have a conversation with me about the podcast, you can go and use my chat bot and it, you should have more of a two-way conversation rather than just listening to a podcast. Not sure that's a good idea or not. So yeah, I have got probably two or three call to actions based on that. So it could be a call to action based on the content of the episode. It probably will also be a call to action to book on one of my agency accelerator shops. And it could also be saying that if you want to ask me more about this particular topic, then go check the AI tool. Out of those three calls to action, are you are they on rotation or do you list multiple calls to action? Because I know you mentioned review in the podcast as yeah. well. Are they on rotation or how No, they're not. Work? So that in of course there is a call to action to review the podcast. That's every episode. The AI tool is every episode. The agency accelerator workshops is usually every episode. And then if there's a guide connected to the topic, then I'll include it. And of course if I've got a guest, they may I'll put all their contact details. And I know you're probably going to tell me that's too many call to actions, which is probably why it's a client. So I'm not sure what you would recommend. Why, why do you think? Wow. It... That's brilliant, Rob. Well, if, if, you th if you think we're going to well, tell I, may, you that, I, I guess what, what's been the reason for, for not already? I'm, it's just, it's so funny, isn't it? I have lots of calls with clients and they tell me that they know what I'm telling them, but they don't do it. And that's, what's that position? Heal thyself. That's that saying. So I guess just saying this out loud to you guys consciously makes me realize that there's too many call to actions and therefore people don't know what to do. And so they probably don't do anything. I guess is probably what I would say if I were talking to somebody else about this. So if that's the case, I'm really interested to know what you think, given those various types of call to actions, what you think the best call to action would be. Yeah, got it. From... And and in term, you're totally right in terms of the reason people are not taking call to actions at a great conversion rate is just because they're being bombarded with lots at the same time. Because we have to think most people when they're listening to podcasts specifically, so what I'm about to say really applies, especially in podcasting as opposed to other mediums, they're normally finishing up their workout, walking through the driveway, parking up the car, all, the, all these kind of in-between activities as they finish listening to episodes. Or even worse, they're actually in the middle of a run or something like that, and they're not even finishing their activity. So, driving. Yeah, driving. So for them to actually take a call to action, it has to be crystal clear in their head what they need to do. And the best way to, to make something unclear, right, is to give them a bunch of stuff to do. As it seems like you're already aware, but maybe you tell other people to this in a different context. The next thing would be incentivizing them. And this is why it's really hard to really scale up your podcast reviews using that as a call to action, because it's a very hard thing to incentivize. I heard, well, in fact, one of our clients' call to actions is it's like a, an astrology business podcast, and she gives people readings in exchange for a review. So it's an exchange of value, and she actually does have a lot of reviews considering the size of her show. On the other hand, I'm looking at your show now. I can see on Apple there's eight reviews in the US. And I know you use UK clients, but it looks like most of your listeners are actually American. Um, if you're wondering where I got that data, I'm looking at your show on Listen Notes. It says 85% of your listeners are from the United States. Given that at least a few thousand downloads are coming from America, but there's only eight reviews, 
that definitely hammers home that people are not actually taking that up. That is that, so there's two right. things we could do. We could either try and incentivize it. Exactly. I was just looking at the analytics on my podcast platform and it definitely says the UK is the most listened to. I'm just trying to find it now. It's the UK is the most listened to territory okay. with the US second. I'll find it. I'll find it somewhere. But um Interesting. Well, you know what? In fairness, that backs up what you're saying because I've just switched over to the UK and you have 18 ratings on the UK and 18 in the US. So, you know, that's year a um, podcast. But still, it could have a lot more. Uh, and what I think, to actually link this back to your question, which ones is most important? Reviews is so easy to rule out and eliminate because one, it's hard to incentivize. It's actually, get to, it's actually hard to get people to do anyway, right? Um, but secondly... A much easier and faster way of getting reviews is just to ask every guest that comes on the show to leave a review and to just use your network. Just go around, whip around all your clients, get a quick review from all of them. And basically, yeah, just leverage your network. And that way you can do it without having to dilute the uh, small, small window you have uh, of your listeners' attention span to actually get, to, to get them to do something where they can be incentivized to do so. Does that make yeah. sense? Yeah, good, good, good. Yeah. Okay, cool. So that's one down. Review reviews. So that takes a, that leaves us with a workshop call to action and the AI tool call to action, right? Yeah. An interesting one. I don't know if you have any thoughts, Anthony. I need to know more. I'm curious about which one brings people more into your ecosystem, which one has better conversions, which one brings you more ROI. But lastly, which one listeners are more um, Talk about one... a call to action, Ty. <laughs> well, yeah, I, can, I, I think I can ask. For discussion I think right I, I'm, I'm, I'm I think it. I can ask that question. I should remove the AI tool because it's actually a bit in conflict. I'm actually developing an AI coach called Ask More of Anything, which is not the one that's on the um, podcast. And at the moment, my community gets access to this tool while it's in beta, but ultimately I want to launch it as a standalone product. So I think I should remove the AI tool from the podcast because this is a separate thing that I'm not sure anybody's using it yet. So I think I could tell you that more people, although it's early days with the AI tool, but more people will be joining the workshops from that call to action than they will be using the Ask Rob, Ask Rob tool to connect to the podcast. Seems like you've come to your own conclusion. So again, it's, it's great actually just talking the, these things out loud. But that brings me to the other question I was going to ask. And I think this loops back around to actually making sure the way you deliver your content gets people to buy as well as listen. Where are, what stage in their agency journey are listeners at when they're listening to your show? Good question. They are anywhere from startup. They would have been running their agency for a while and they want to grow. And they may well have hit a brick wall and therefore they're looking at ways of getting over that brick wall. They've probably been around for a year or so, but, and they want to grow. So I'm not targeting freelancers, for example, I'm targeting people that have, they may be a freelancer, but they aspire to grow their agency. So I'm telling you who my target audience is rather than what I know about the listenership of the podcast, but they would be somewhere between one and 25 staff. They are ambitious and they want to grow their agency, but they know what they know. They want to expand their knowledge. So they are looking for advice through things like podcasts or joining my program or attending one of my workshops. And what does your program do exactly? So of course it helps people grow their agencies, 
But is that more so focused on like the operation side and getting the time back or are you really helping people get more clients? Everything. So seven, seven core pillars from understanding who your niche is and who your target client is through having a clear vision for your agency, filling your sales funnel, converting those leads into clients, retaining and growing those clients, putting systems and processes in place, hiring team, and then succession planning. So my program is called the self-running agency. And people join it because they want to build an agency that's less dependent on them ultimately. And everything sits on their shoulders at the moment. So it looks at an agency fairly holistically to use that awful word across all those seven core pillars. Got it. And first, I actually really like the name, by the way, uh, self-run agency. I think that's a, that's a banger of a name there, Rob. The second thing that I was going to say in terms of the whole like CTA pandemic and loop round to this end was from your end with the course action because i think we really tie necessarily not on that i think definitely the workshop makes most sense in terms of what you're trying to accomplish when it comes to monetization i think the chatbot is awesome and it's great but again from your end is what's the focus so that's what i would encourage you to explore the second piece i would say is how do we make this workshop seem highly valuable how do we craft an incentive-based call to action what will they miss out on if they're going if they don't go to the actual workshop what will they gain? What are some bonuses exclusive to your listeners that you can give them to really incentivize them to take action? That's the kind of stuff. Yeah, and it's really interesting why from your end in terms of that. Sorry to interrupt you, Anthony. It's really interesting that I actually don't really say any of this on the podcast. It's all in the show notes. That's another thing I've just realized. So the only thing I say on the podcast is if you found today useful, please do consider leaving a review. That's the only verbal call to action that I give. The rest, what I've been talking about, the chatbot and the workshops, I only talk about the show notes. So clearly that's another big red flag that I should be actually talking about this in the episode as well. I don't know why I don't. Yeah, I don't know why you don't either. Right? <laughs> <laughs> well, look again, these are why these interactions and these kind of sessions are so powerful because oftentimes you're so close to the trees, you can't see the forest. All these answers, they're not like, you know, we're in the same kind of space and the consultancy in the consultant online business kind of space. These are things that we know. You've grown a very extreme successful agency yourself, Rob, which I'm very impressed with. And I think it's something that a lot of people look for. And that's, again, that that shows with like, the specific contents you cover. Because me and Ty can always tell where we like to think, and anyway. we can tell where a podcaster is based on the kind of content they cover. And yours seem to be really geared towards operations, which tells me you really understand how everyone's really focused on sales and marketing, which is great. But when you get more advanced, the main problems is more so the operations, the managing the team, the leveling up, the breaking by the current barriers, not so lead generation and sales. So we know the expertise is there, but how do we transfer that into number one, having a crystal high quality product that people listen to straight away because the audio quality is awesome and you're amazing to listen to the end. Number two, how do we keep a singular call to action right to the end that's incentivized to get them to click and engage with your content, not in the show notes, but you can't see it. And it's almost like you're trying to bury the treasure chest. Yeah. Like really plastering at the start. I'd even say plaster it in the middle as well. And it could be just a short CCA. Hey, just a little quick break. Just wanted to let you know we have this thing that's going on, blah, blah, blah. And I'm back to the episode. Benefit this, 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 and this. Now I'm back to the episode. And then at the end as well. Now, for this to really work, and I can almost, I can guarantee it, you will get your money back. That's the vibe I'm going to go with. It needs to be painfully consistent, i.e., for like 90 days, it needs to be the exact same call to action. You have enough of an audience there. What I promise you, you will see like 
literally like a triple quadrupling amount of people reaching out, joining your program, attending these workshops, just by keeping that dead consistent. Human beings have to listen to something like three or four times just to pay attention, right? And you never know, this is why it's important to keep it, you don't actually know exactly where your listeners are in their journey. It might be today that they're ready to take the next step. It might be in a week. It might be in two weeks. It might be in five weeks. But if you don't keep it consistent, you never catch them at that point. And if you're worried that you're going to irritate people by using the same call to action, you're not. People don't get numb to it. Pe so here's the thing, right? People think if you have the same call to action, people will get bored and get numb to it. That's not true. They do get numb on board of it if it's not relevant for them right then and then. So if you listen to it all the time, you numb it out naturally, your brain will do that. However, there's confirmation bias. As soon as you, a listener, has a goal to grow their show or to grow their agency, that doesn't, that power is going to stick out to them. It's not going to be numbed out because their brain is going to be, the subconscious is looking out for it. So it has to be 90 days of a consistent CTA middle in the end and then see the results from that. I promise it'll be phenomenal. But I guess, what are your thoughts on that? I think it's exactly what I tell my clients when it comes to, if we're talking about email marketing, which I'm a big fan of, and they and I say to people, you need to email your list at least once a week. And they say, oh, I can't possibly do that. And it's like, you were sending them valuable content. Why wouldn't you send it to them? So I totally get it. And I totally understand that we have to keep saying stuff and people hear it when they need to hear it. Just that's why we see the same adverts for fairy liquid on the TV every single day because one time we pay attention to it is when we just run out. I totally understand that. That's why I tell my clients, just don't do it myself. And hey, listeners, this is why you need a coach because, you know, you, it's about holding a mirror up to yourself, right? It's not about telling you something you don't know. It's about reminding you of something that you know, but you've forgotten or you're not paying attention to. 100%, absolutely. So... I'm glad. So we've got that kind of tied up and the knot tied on those aspects. I know you mentioned you, because right now we're fixing what we've worked on is the retention piece. So how do we turn more strangers into listeners? And then how do we get listeners coming back for more, nurturing them and then getting them take the next step? That's more of a retention piece, right? There's another side to growing a podcast. Once this is fixed, your show will start growing in the right direction. But the second piece that we need to really focus on is going to be how do we leverage social media number one the right way and then number two which is a back again to retention is how do we make sure we're clearly stating who your show is for what your unique positioning is in the market because you have so many competitors in the business consulting grow your agency space that's like why should they listen to you specifically rob and what makes your content different to everyone else's you've mentioned like looking at the content you've mentioned how you have a holistic view, which I think is great and whatnot. I wonder, and I'd love to know what your thoughts are. I wonder, because the last couple of episodes you've published, one's called, you know, why agencies aren't profitable, the path to 30% net profit. The next one is like your milestone one, non-essential, non-essentials for best in class client service, mastering four key areas to build a profitable agency. These are very, again, holistic, but also it sounds to me like working on operations, delivery, client facing stuff would you be opposed to really almost putting that within somewhere like in your title or as a subtitle where's the agency accelerator what was the program called that you have in the back end the self-running agency self-running self-running agency by xyz through client through building client success or through building client success optimizing operation and scaling your business or scaling your online business 
Now we're targeting specific keywords. We're attaching a very attractive desired outcome, right? So that's going to attract more people to listen to the show off the bat. And we're telling them exactly what they're going to get from the show that's different to other podcasts. We're not saying lead generation and you know, we're saying, hey, look, this is our little area of nugget of expertise. Here's exactly how we're going to do it to get to this outcome, which is, again, the self-running agency. So I'll love to know if you're in, would you be opposed to exploring something like that and getting a bit clearer in terms of what your value proposition is? In the no, market? this is a bit, maybe an ignorant question, but where would you actually say that? So obviously I can say that on my podcast page on my website. I suppose I could say it in the, the show image, but that would be quite hard to read all that text. So where would you actually, and obviously I can say it in social media, but where else would you actually say it? Because you obviously can't put that into say Apple podcast or can you put it in the description? I don't know. Yeah. And you know what, Rob, just to loop this back around a little while ago, and when we tied off the call to action, I asked where your listeners are in their agency journey, right? And that's because I wanted to confirm in my head that you were more focused on kind of the operation side, right? People do have their first few clients. This isn't get your first client, choose your niche, that kind of thing. It's more, how do I actually buy back my time? How do I really keep things lean and keep delivering well as I scale up? So that's great. And you've confirmed that and the titles look that way as well. But I wouldn't necessarily tell that from looking at the show. If I typed agency podcast or something like that, if I was looking for a show like yours and I just saw the agency accelerator, it doesn't really tell me much, to be honest, apart from the fact that it's for agency owners. So I guess for you, in the front end, where do you think you could explicitly say what side of agency acceleration you focus on that would make it very clear to a stranger? Well, I guess in the description, I'm just trying to think what you can put in Apple Podcasts, for example. I guess I could put it in the description. I guess I can make sure I put it somewhere in my, I'm just trying to think how I do it at the moment, somewhere in my social media posts. I'm not entirely sure where else. Yeah. So let's give we can, yeah, let, let's give him a hint. How, we can make the agency accelerator itself more more specific. Oh, so you mean change the name of the podcast itself? Damn, damn right. We can actually just make the title a lot more refined and more specific. A great way of doing this, Rob. Have you ever considered having a subtitle for the show? And I don't mean, don't worry about the technicalities, like where does that go in Apple? I just mean a colon, the agency accelerator, colon. Scale your operations and client success to seven figures, whatever that might yeah, be. Yeah, no, I haven't. That's a good idea. The, the description is great as well, by the way. So you can definitely put that in the description. But I guess I, I, what I could have asked you better is when you are looking at new shows, what are the first things that you look at? Yeah. Let's say you've just typed in agency show on Apple. What is the literally the first two or three things that you notice? Well, the cover art, the name of the podcast obviously is the first thing that you see. And then the description, I suppose. Just trying to think when the last time I searched for something on Apple. Yeah, no, I agree. And a lot of people are finding things because they're searching them for them on Apple and Spotify. Um, so why not start with them, right? So why not start with the title? So I would say a title that clearly says how you help people scale their agency. Because otherwise, from even though from the back end, when people listen, they're like, this guy, Rob is great. He knows his stuff. He's not just, oh, choosing your niche, getting your first client. He really has been there and back and he's talking about operations and really high level things. But we only know that because we've listened to the show, right? And because we've looked extensively through your back catalogue of episodes. But a stranger who's just found the show, all they're going to see is the agency accelerator. And they're probably going to go and listen to one of those podcasts that have millions of downloads, right? Because why would they choose yours over them? They don't know that your unique selling point is the operation standpoint. Would you? Yeah, agree? I would actually. But no, I agree with all of that. I don't want to be defensive at all. I just want to say that there aren't actually 
a lot of really high performing. You may tell me I'm wrong here, actually, maybe. But as far as I can see, there aren't actually a lot of high performing agency focused podcasts. So that doesn't mean a thing really, because that means like mine should be, but I can't, it's not like, I'm in competition with lots of people doing podcasts, I totally get, and lots of general business podcasts. But when it comes to agency podcasts, there aren't a lot of really outstanding podcasts, I don't think. Maybe you can tell me I'm wrong. So my first thoughts would be two things. I think number one, there will be other agency podcasts out there. Is just for them, their titles might be a bit different. It might be something to do with like online business and they position a different way. The second piece would be that's even better for you to get an even clearer positioning regardless. Um, so even if there isn't that many with that much competition, that's even better for you, right? It means that you have a blue ocean where you can really focus in on that niche and become the dominant force within that space. So either way, it's still knowing and understanding how do we optimize these areas to really make sure we get the most out of this advantage that you have that would be my kind of an initial kind of thoughts and yeah like i think it's just about leaning into what you know your strengths are what you know is good and just clarifying a lot of these things are straightforward is not again you already knew the answer to these not it's not rocket science necessarily just shifting it shifting your title to be a bit clearer and a bit more desired outcome as well as the right keywords of what you're talking about your positioning getting that clear now we're going to turn more people into listeners or get them to view the podcast and click great then they listen to the intro and the quality of the show. They're now sold in you already because the content's good, but it also sold in the show because the quality is high quality. They're like, holy crap, this is incredible. It's Robbie's and like a 4K mic if that's impossible. And then when it gets the call to action, when they keep hearing that repeatedly over and over again, they're now going to convert. Think about, think about a listener's journey the exact same way as a client's journey. Every one of those activation points matters. Every single one. And if something doesn't feel congruent and isn't in that kind of that path, it puts people off. You'll miss people. There'll be a leakage in the barrel. You'll be stuck at 3,000 monthly downloads for years and years and years, not really understanding why, when it's actually these fundamental pieces. And I think for us, me and Ty, we always preach this so much because so many podcasters, coaches, business owners, and experts come to us and they say, oh, I want to grow my podcast. I want to get massive. I want to, want to you know, hit it big. Why isn't it growing? And everyone always thinks it's about exposure. Every single time without fail, it always things about exposure. When actually it's about the foundational pieces, because once these are set, now when you're promoting on social media, your career, you convert more, more people will listen and stick around, and more people will become clients. Now when you get high-profile guests on, more people will click, more people will listen, more people will convert, and more people come to clients. Now when you get some more podcasts, as I'm hoping you'll do, right? As you get some more podcasts, you send them to a podcast that's optimized to convert them, that's going to nurture them the right way, and is going to get them to click and listen. It's all of these pieces stems from this core stuff. Without that, you're building a house on quicksand. It is not going to work out. It's very difficult to break past that slow and steady growth. But yeah, dude, I'd love to know from your end. What would you say your takeaway, number one, what, what's your takeaway? And then number two, number two would be, what would you say to a listener right now who might be a bit skeptical about coming on and going through the Rose to Show session and podcast. Yeah, well, okay. I talk to my clients about being stuck on the client service hamster wheel of doom, and they don't have enough time to step off it and pause, put the pause button on and focus on the future of their business. I guess I'm completely guilty of that in this context. I'm stuck on the client, you know, the podcasting hamster wheel of doom, where I'm determined because I to get an episode out every week by hook or by crook, and I'm not stopping and spending enough time thinking how can I improve it so this session has definitely made me stop and reflect and you've held a mirror up and you've 
I'm slightly embarrassed that you told me some of the bleeding obvious, but hey, I needed to hear it. And it feels like every piece of advice you give me is very doable. So I can definitely action some of this really quickly. I can't action the microphone so much, but I'm back in the UK, but I can action the other stuff really quickly. And I'm sure it will make a difference. And to anybody else that's listening, if they are game enough to come on and, you know, have their podcast analyzed, then obviously there's huge amounts of value in it because if one of these things that you would like me to do makes a difference to my podcast, then, you know, this has been an hour of my time well invested and I suspect cumulatively implementing all the things that we've discussed today will have an impact over time, which is going to give me the best results. And I'm committed to the podcast. I like talking, so I like, it's a good medium for me. I might prefer that to writing. So I'm committed to the podcast, but obviously I want to improve the quality of it. And this is a good foundational piece to that. And we haven't even talked about the promotion of it, but this is a good foundational um, things to get right. And I guess everybody who's listening should do a little bit of a stop take and say the things that you've advised me to do, are they doing it themselves? Because I'm sure everybody can get something from this to improve their own podcast.